on today's Patriot Nation podcast. Two weeks of the draft, so we are uh, gearing up for the draft. We'll be talking more prospects with you, and we have everyone's favorite beat writer on. Uh, you know him. You love him. Phil Perry is on the show as, as well with us. So we'll finish off with Phil, uh, and we'll start with some talk with me, Keegan, and Spags. It's going to be a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Yes. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. vacation and i i am so damn happy and uh, i know i'm rubbing it in your faces because you have to work still but i do not have to work for a whole week and it's going to be glorious i don't even know what vacation yeah that's nice is anymore i was gonna say benefits of being a teacher right you get the you get the two holidays you get the summer off so yeah you're in the home stretch now for uh yes, for summer right and the kids know it the kids know it oh do they know it so but it's good it's good but the best part about this time of the year, of course, is the draft is is upon us, and we're uh, we're two weeks away from the draft, and so we are uh, we're anxiously anxiously awaiting the draft. I think is at this point, two weeks from tonight will be the draft. We'll be on doing our you know four hour marathon during day one of the draft, and uh, you know this happens every year, of course. But like you know, going into the draft, it was oh, there's not a ton of prospects in this year's draft. Oh, it's not as good as it has been in in, in years past. And now we're talking about, you know, the top 100 to 150 players are all starters that are going to come in and start on day one. And people are talking about, oh, you know, you really want those round three picks because those round three guys are going to be, uh, you know, are, are going to be starting are going to be starting day one. And it's like, bro, chill out, man. But this is what happens every year because we don't have a lot of time. And it's all we're doing is sitting here talking about draft. And so everyone gets hyped up on every prospect alive. Uh, but, you know, we're here to do the same thing. I mean, that's what we do, right? Like talk about, talk about prospects. Like these guys are the second coming of everyone, right? Yeah. I mean, the the last two weeks before the draft is a barren wasteland of, of content. It's just (laughs) all the worst stuff that that we do comes in these last two weeks. Speaking of the worst stuff we do, me and Spags dropping the top 50. Well, we got to get some time put together, but we'll have that before the draft. We're very excited about that as well. I wanted to throw that in there. I love that. Yeah. I think too, it's just, not that it's different this year. I, I think last year was certainly my favorite because there was such a question mark at, at quarterback and there was five quarterbacks going in the first round. Yep. You didn't really know which direction they'd go. You know, there was so many rumors of them moving up. And, you know, this year's a little – I think not that it's, you know, last I, I enjoyed last year better, but I think this year's unique in its way where they have a lot of holes to fill and you expect them to do that on both sides of the ball. It's just, hey, which – which ones are they, which positions are they leaning earlier than others, right? Or which positional groups do they feel more comfortable with um, kind of, you know, maybe waiting till day three to two address. I think that's what's unique about it in, in the biggest kind of question mark uh, with two weeks to go. 
I think it's so funny because I remember last year around this time and everyone's talking about a 15, the Patriots are going to take Christian Barmore and he's a perfect fit and he's exactly what they love to do. And I was so pissed. I was like, if they take freaking Christian Barmore at 15, I'm going to lose my mind because they need a quarterback desperately. And I'm like, Barmore's a good player. But at 15, if there's a quarterback on the board and you're taking a defensive tackle, like you need your head checked. And, you know, of course, it ends up they take Mac at 15 and they get Barmore anyways at 38. And so, uh, you know, you never know how the draft's going to shake out. It, I can't imagine this year having five quarterbacks go. I mean, he was the last one taken in the first round and he was, you know, they went five in the top 15. I'd be shocked if more than three go in the first round this year, but you never know. And that's, you know, we were talking, uh, uh, Tom Curran had, um, Jeff Iwan and he was saying, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder to trade might be a little harder to trade back this year because, you know, no one really wants to move up for him, but you know, if Detroit's in there at 32 and there's only one quarterback off the board at, and you're at 21, they might be willing to move 32 and something else to move up and get the quarterback that they want at 21 and not sit around and wait. So it is going to be interesting to see how the board falls. I think there's so much up in the air, whereas last year it was like they have to take a quarterback. Everything revolved around getting a quarterback. They have the quarterback now, but there's a ton of other holes, so they got to fill them with something, and we'll see You know, we'll see what they end up doing. Yeah, it's a crapshoot, man. Like last year, they they met with 47 prospects prior to the draft. They drafted two of them. Obviously, you can't draft all 47, but right. in terms of the, the percentage, it's not a high percentage, and NFL teams are so unpredictable in what they do. All it takes is one domino to fall, and then everything gets thrown out of whack, and you know, Christian Barmore falls to the second round, and you have stuff like that happen. It happens every year, and I think the quarterbacks this year, to on a broader sense, like that's that's a domino to fall. If one team trades up then every, everything that everybody thought was going to happen is going to do a complete 180. So it's it's going to be fun this year, especially compared to last year, where I, we have no idea what the Patriots are going to do in the first round. We had an idea last year, no idea this year. Yeah, And I think, too, you know, the top 30 visits that are going on, they didn't do them for two years because of COVID. And I'm not sure if they were still, you know, maybe they had a different terminology with them, like you could only meet on Zoom with X. I, Virtual I don't remember. visits, yep. Right, so... And I, I couldn't, I don't, like you said, they met with, they drafted two of the 47, whatever that they met with. I'm assuming that's, you know, they didn't have a combine, anything like that. I know they had right. a senior bowl. Maybe that's kind of factoring in. But you look at the guys that they've met with you know, multiple times. Uh, Mechie's one of them, combine, and they had him in for uh, for a top 30. I think he's the only one that they've, that we know of. Jack uh, Jones, met, believe it or not. Those are the yeah. only two. Him and so Jack he met Jones. With him at, they met with him at the combine or the senior bowl? They met with him. They had a top 30 visit, so they brought him to New England, and then yes, they went down that. to watch him work out in Arizona. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, two right there. And, like, yeah. Jones. if anybody wants John Mechie in New England, I think it's – considering their history, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but you never know. I think it's uh, – we'll guy. see how – I think he's a lot lower on teams' boards than, than I think a lot of us. Um, you could see him go late day two, early day three even. Um, but anyways – uh, we're going to be joined by Phil Perry in a few minutes. Um, obviously, one of the best guys out there. Really good with his drafts up the next Pats pod. is great, especially this time of year. Um, I think we should get into our, our prospects of the week. Yeah, I'll let you it. guys. Uh, I'll let you guys start it up. Keegan, you want to start? You want to start it off, Keegan? Yeah, I'll do it. I, I have the boring one, so we'll start with me, and then we'll go to the, the more exciting positions. Interior offensive line, baby. A first round prospect, uh, Zion Johnson out of BC. Uh, the the traction has started to. 
we've started to gain traction a little bit on the interior offensive lineman in the first round conversation. Um, I don't know if it's the most likely scenario, but it certainly isn't the least likely scenario. Um, I'd say it's right around the same, you know, odds that they'll they'll trade back then they'll they'll draft the guy in the, the first round this is a guy who can play literally all five positions on the offensive line he's done it uh he played tackle and guard in college at both davidson and bc and then at the senior bowl he spent the entire week at center and he was the best center there after having never snapped the football in his life so uh super athletic interior guy his measurables are similar to that of shaq mason he's a little bit smaller but um if you want to replace Shaq Mason with anybody, why not just get a guy who can do all the same stuff as him in terms of athletically uh, and who also is a little bit more versatile where he can kick out to guard, he can kick inside to center, he can do everything. Uh, I love the big boys. You guys know that. So uh, he he has me really excited because I think there's there's a, the prospects of the Patriots taking a look at him or Kenyon Green or high. Yeah, Crazy Matt says, you know, he's not, not on the first round guard train. I get it. I, I get it. But like... If you look at the team right now, that might be the most glaring need on the team right now. They literally don't have an offensive line because they're missing a guard, right? So, like, if you get a guy that looks to be a surefire starter day one, you know, possible Pro Bowl caliber player, it's worth it to draft a guy at 21 if that's what you think and you really feel like this guy finishes our offensive line. And so, you know, I I understand the hesitation. I get that. But at the same time, you know, I understand why they might look at him uh, to draft him in the first round. So, all right, you said uh, you said boring position. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna one up your offensive guard and go with nose tackle. Uh, I'm going with my dog Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU. Uh, this man is six four, three twenty five. He's a big boy. He is a big, big boy. The problem with this big boy is that he ran a four a five four one forty. Not great. Hashtag not great. Uh, 21 and a half inch vertical jump <laughs> and and an eight four one three cone drill, which is just like zero with percentile, like just not just not good, not good. So but at the same time, you know, this is a guy that's a space eater. He's good with his hands. He's he's a very good run defender. Now, I will say, like, you know, you look at it and say, OK, do we have a position for him? We do. We do have a position for him. We have a position in need. Nose tackle is a spot that would be a good position on the offensive line. They don't really, on the defensive line, they don't really have a true nose tackle right now. Neil Farrell would be that type of guy. He's going to be a fifth, sixth round pick. So, like, you're not wasting a high pick on him. And you're getting a position that's valuable to the Patriots, but not necessarily valuable to other people. And so that's going to push him down the draft board because. People aren't drafting this guy high. The athleticism is extremely limited, as you just heard. And, you know, a lot of people don't have a role for a true nose tackle like the Patriots do. And so it's a it's a situation where what they're looking for, um, you know, kind of matches up with what he can do. Again, limited physically, uh, you know, athletically, but it, it is a pretty solid guy in the middle. Yeah, I think that's a that's a position that, They'll certainly address, right? You know, they have Godshaw, uh, Barmore, obviously the kind of their guy for the future, but I think they'll they'll certainly add depth there. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with cornerback Caleb Evans out of Missouri. Uh, played three years at Tulsa. Um, had a good senior bowl, you know, did did uh, did well against some of the top talent. He went up in competition, obviously, in the SEC. Had a, had a pretty good senior year. 
44640. Uh, he's a big physical, kind of sticky in your face kind of corner. Um, who knows if they're still valuing that press man cover guy early on? This is a guy that you can t- target. I think day three that can come in. He's a mature player and be able to compete for snaps on the outside, um, you know, right away. Uh, this, this is a guy, like I said, that, you know, uptick in, in competition, held his own against SEC caliber, you know, competition. And a guy that I think, um, you know, certainly has some value there. Kind of in like the 100s to 130 range. Uh, like I said, decent speed, good length for the position, 6'1", 195. Uh, certainly fits kind of their mold of corners. And it could be a guy that they attack later on in the draft if it's not early on. I don't know if you saw Spags when you were looking into him. But last year, Dan Mullen said he was a pain in the ass. I think that's the best way you could describe a cornerback. Just like, this kid's yeah. a pain in the ass. Man. I did actually see. Uh, thank you for bringing up. He, uh, yeah. It's just, like, like I said, you kind of watch his tape and he's he's in your face. He's he's not, you know, cocky, confident, whatever you kind of want to say it. Um, right. you, you search him on Twitter. He's always breaking up a pass kind of in your face. He plays a lot of high energy. I, I, I like this guy um, on day three. I think it's a good fit. Yeah. And they, I mean, listen, they've been, they've been chasing that position, right? They drafted Joan Williams. That obviously was a bust, but they they clearly value the big bodied physical corners. And it hasn't really worked out for them for the most part since they had Brandon Browner. But like, you know, they clearly want a guy that can do that. They just haven't been able to hit on that guy in the draft. So maybe this will be the year, you know, with him. Yeah, and they, they always seem to find them. And I'm with them, I'm much more comfortable if they sit back and wait for people. To, to come to them instead of reaching like they, they've done when they sit back and then they say, we like this guy at this spot and, and he's there and they go and get them like a undrafted guy. Maybe uh, right. they always seem to hit on those. So I'm much more comfortable with them taking a late round guy than an early round guy. Exactly. All right. Here he is coming on the pod. One of our favorite guests. And I mean, we know him. You all love him. Phil Perry, NBC sports, Boston, the host of the next Pats podcast. Uh, all over your TV screens and uh, and and your podcast channels as well. Phil, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate appreciate you coming through. Thank you guys for having me. It's a great time of year. I love this time of year. I love chopping it up with you guys. We were just saying too, the two week mark before the draft is just like it's so blah. You've done all the you've done all your research. It's kind of you know you just wanted to get here. Where, where's your head? Where's your head in all this? Is it kind of? You know, you're still grinding away. Obviously, they're still hosting top 30 visits right up until is it kind of end of next week that they'll kind of do that. And obviously, we kind of have an idea, but not all 30, right? Yeah, so we'll continue to sort through those. And, you know, there's still, I I think, some different scenarios that are fun to kind of go over. Okay, you know, are are they going to be able to trade down the way we all think that they might try to or might it actually be harder than we're anticipating because I think it might be because I think everybody's trying to trade down right now. So, you you know, it takes two to tango. So I'm not sure they're going to be able to pull that off. Are they maybe even willing to trade up? Are there some fallers potentially in this year's class because there's so much uncertainty near the top? Like to me, guys, right now, I'm looking at maybe six players that, that I feel really good about going in the top 10. And then after that, I've got no idea. <laughs> you know, somebody like Derek Stingley, who is a great talent, but has dealt with some different issues, injury concerns. I think there are some concerns about his want to, quite frankly. Uh, but but a great, great talent at a premium position. I mean, Mel Kuyper is talking to us on a conference call today about, 
the potential for him slipping and maybe him getting into uh, you know, trade up range for the Patriots. You know, there's a mock draft uh, on Warren Sharp's site that I saw earlier tonight, um, and they've been pretty accurate over the course of the last few years. Where Stingley falls all the way to 21, and the Patriots don't move, and they oh. get their future number one corner right there. So. I, I think this is a fun draft. You know, it's not as talented as some other classes, but it is a fun draft because you really just don't know how that first round is going to play out. Even guys, when we see the, the people who are welcomed to the first round, who are who are at least accepted their invitations to the first round, right? I don't know if you guys saw that list that, that came out today, but, you know, you've got a corner like Kyler Gordon, who is a great athlete and didn't test in the 40 all that well at the combine, but otherwise – is a superb athlete. And I remember talking to people before the combine telling me this guy's going to light it up, watch out for him. He's going to be a riser after what happens in Indy. He's going to the drafts. You know, usually these are the first round guys. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a single first round mock. I don't think all off season. And he's going to the draft. Matt Corral, Ole Miss quarterback is, is going to the draft. I haven't seen him included in the top, you know, two or three quarterbacks. So it's a fun year because it just feels like there's, there's so much uncertainty. And Stingley's a guy that and I think it's like. Fun. I was gonna go, go ahead, Pat. Go ahead, Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was gonna say it's it it's fun this year because you know last year they obviously needed the quarterback, right? Now it's hey, there's you know x amount of positions four or five that they could you could realistically see them attacking uh, in round one. I guess for you, which position would you lean? Is it kind of just see how the board shakes out, right? Like you said, Derek Stingley's available or in trade-up range and you feel you can go get him? I think that's a slam dunk. Someone like a Devin Lloyd could fall, right? Or you move back and kind of accumulate more picks. I like to look at kind of that Kyle Duggar trade two years ago where, hey, we'll get a two and an early three, and we kind of have the cream of the crop where there's not a lot of differences between the 15th and 17th ranked player. Yeah, and I think if you're the Patriots, and they've done a good job of of – covering their bases. I think when it comes to their most dire needs, you know, if you had to, you could play Malcolm Butler and Jalen Mills as your top two corners. Is it, is it an ideal scenario? Maybe not, but you could do it. You could certainly play a game right now with the receiving group that you have, you know, the one real starter need that I think you, you really have to address at some point in the draft is a guard, right? And we know you can get guards a lot of different places. So you know, I think they've done pretty well, but they still do have, to me, you know, I guess it depends on your definition of need, but I would call tackle a need. Like yeah. they need a third tackle for this year and they need a future tackle for next year. And they might need two new tackles next year. Who knows, depending on how healthy these right. guys are and what that, what, what ends up happening with them um, contractually. So that's up there. Guard is there for me. Um you know, a corner receiver, like I still would put those positions there places that I would be trying to address. You mentioned linebacker, you know, I, I think to me, if you're the Patriots, right, let's try to put ourselves in their shoes first. Cause you know what I want, I don't know if you guys care you know, what, what entertains me, what entertain would, would entertain me would be them, you know, going, you know, really upgrading their offense with, with another piece yeah. and another weapon would be a lot of fun to me. Um, but again, it's fun for Phil on draft weekend when Phil's looking to have a little bit of fun. I think what would be nice for the Patriots would be for them to trade back, add capital so that they've got more darts to throw at the board, right? We know in the draft that usually is the way to go. The best teams, the smartest teams, they draft in bulk and the more picks you have, the better chance you have at hitting a bullseye. And so um, if they can't do that though, 
I would be looking at premium positions because corner, receiver, tackle, I put pass rusher in that conversation right. too. I think they could use all four. You know, linebacker, there could be some good players and interesting players there at 21 overall. I just I look at it, guys, in these days where the league is at that position, you can kind of get by at linebacker with a veteran who who might only cost you a few million bucks. You know, I think Juwan Bentley is actually a pretty good example. He's on a two-year deal, paying him $3 million a year. You can kind of get by with that type of player. Whereas a tackle, you really can't, right? If you're paying a veteran, it's costing you a boatload. If you're paying right. a veteran at corner, at receiver, it's costing you a ton. It's a fortune for these guys. So if you can get a rookie in the first round, get that guy on a rookie contract, the value there for your entire team is just massive. So that's if they are sticking and picking in the first round there at 21, that's probably where I would be leaning if, if I'm them, is one of those premium spots. So so who's your guy? Because you mentioned Stingley. Now, Stingley to me, and Jordan Davis is the other one for me. Jordan Davis is kind of like, you know, and I'm talking about like pipe dream guy. I'm not talking about guy that, oh, okay, you know, he might go in the late 20s. When when this all started and I sat here and looked and, – and for those people that don't know, you know, Derek Stingley Jr., of course, is the grandson of Daryl Stingley who, of course, was paralyzed on the Jack Tatum hit. And, you know, it, it's basically, you know, a legend in New England. And so for him to come back and play where his grandfather played, you know, and, of course, the way things ended with his grandfather, obviously, tragically. But, you know, but for him to be able to come back here, I thought that that would have been, like, my, my favorite story ever. And it looked like he was going to be a top five pick. And now, you know, he seems like he's fallen a little bit. And if they can move up and get him. And, of course, Jordan Davis is the other one. But Jordan Davis is not not necessarily a premium position. It's just like he looks like such a freak. And putting him next to Parma would be a lot of fun. But Stingley's kind of that guy for me where it's like, okay, seems like a pipe dream. Everyone thought I was crazy for saying it'd be awesome if he could get there. And everyone's like, there's no shot he's ever going to get there. And maybe he still won't. But he could. And like that would make I'd be dancing in the street if they drafted him, you know, if they moved up a few spots and, and drafted Dar- Derek Stingley on, on Thursday night in a few weeks. Who's that guy for you? I'm sure there's a few, but like if you had to single out one guy where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe he lasted the 15, <laughs> like go up there and get him. Yeah, I, I I love both of those names, you know, and I'm with you, Jordan Davis. That's not a premium position, but I'd be willing to make an exception there because that guy is just such a monster and he's such a freak athletically and he would make your front seven, I think so much better. Right. You know, yeah. every linebacker all of a sudden has the ability to, to cover more ground, you know, your pass rushers on the edges, life is easier for those guys. So he, to me probably would be at the top of the list. Stingley would be somewhere in that range as well. I really love, I really like Jermaine Johnson from Florida state. And I think that's a pretty realistic name at 21 overall. But I've also, again, just tells you the variability when it comes to where these guys might actually go. I've seen him all the way in the top, top five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, you know, that to me is a is sort of an underrated need right now for the Patriots on this roster. We know Matt Judon's going to have a spot there. But then you're really looking at, Who's on the opposite side? It's between Josh Uche and Ronnie Perkins. And does anybody know anything about either of these guys right now? Like, right. I, you know, I like Josh Uche as an athlete and he's flashed at times when he's been on the field, but he just hasn't been on the field all that much. And Ronnie Perkins hasn't been on the field at all. And he, quite frankly, coming out of Oklahoma, like athleticism was not his calling card. And so if, if you're looking for sort of a dynamic pass rusher opposite Judon, who obviously is a great pass rusher, but is sort of a bigger body and can kind of, 
you know, when he's at his best, he he has the ability to to set the edge as well. If you're looking for a lighter end opposite that guy, who's a who's a great bendy athlete, like I don't know if that's Ronnie Perkins's game, quite frankly. So, um, uh, this is a it's a relatively deep draft class. So at edge, so I wouldn't mind if they they passed on even somebody like Jermaine Johnson if he got to them at 21. Um, maybe you're looking at Arnold Ebiketti, you know, in the second round. Um, you might have to trade up for somebody like that, but it's another good athlete out of Penn State this year at that position. So Johnson was kind of my guy early. The guy who really was my guy before the combine was Traylon Burks, and I still like Traylon Burks. I just don't – I wouldn't feel the same way about him right now that yeah. I would have two months ago. Like I would have been in your spot where you're thinking about Derek Stingley, Pat, and like how excited you would be with Stingley. Like I would have felt that way if Burks got to them at 21. Now I don't know if I'd feel the same way, but I still wouldn't feel like it'd be a bad pick. I I think the guy's a fine athlete. Like I'm not that worried about it. Um, I just like his makeup. I like, you know, what he brings to the table in terms of his versatility and being able to use, be used in the slot. I think people look at him as, you know, well, he's a big body. You got to use him outside. No, not at all. Like they used him a ton in the slot at Arkansas and you can use him a variety of different ways, put him in the backfield. Like, I just think that a weapon like that is not something that they should completely rule out because the weapons right now, they're better with Parker. I like Kendrick Bourne, great relationship with Mac Jones. Like all that stuff is good, but you're still not, near the top of the league as far as that position is concerned. And these days, those are the best teams, the teams that are at the top of the league at that position. So if you can find a real stud there, I would not be opposed to that. How, how do you think this thing's going to shake out? Because we've, I said it like three times already before you came on. The draft is a crapshoot. We obviously know somebody's going to do something that's going to screw everybody else up. But, you know, tackle is so deep and edge is so deep and people put premiums on quarterbacks. How, how do you think that those top 20 picks are going to shake out? And what do you think the Patriots are going to be able to do off of that? Yeah, I think you're going to see three tackles at least come off. Uh, I don't know. I know there are people that are very high on Charles Cross. I, I don't know if he's a lock to go in that range. Like, that's another name. If if you're looking at tackles for the Patriots, you know, I think the guys that, that we've been talking about more – at NBC have been, you know, Trevor Penning, uh, Bernard Ryman, like those guys might make it that far to 21. I think cross could end up being in that category. It's just because he's one of these air raid guys. Now that Mike Leach is there at Mississippi state and the NFL is a little bit afraid of air raid tackles. Like it's just kind of where they are right now because those guys don't run block. Um, So I think you're going to see three tackles probably definitely go off. Um, I, I am really, I mean, it's not a good quarterback class, guys, but I'm fascinated to see just how desperate some of these teams get because mm-hmm. I could see Carolina taking one. I could see Pittsburgh trying to take one. I could see Seattle taking one. Again, Matt Corral is going to the draft. Does he think he's going in the first round? Because the connections there. That's a lot of time with Pete Carroll. Yeah. The connections there are pretty clear. I, you're, you're right on, Spags. I, I remember um, writing about this a little bit. And I think my first mock draft, maybe either, I think it was right after the combine because he did spend time with Pete Carroll at the combine and Pete Carroll worked for Monty Kiffin. Then Lane Kiffin worked for Pete Carroll and now Lane Kiffin just coached Matt Corral. And so there's all kinds of Intel there and I Mm -hmm. I think he would fit. So, you know, if you, if this is a draft where, 
you know, three Desmond Ritter is getting a lot of buzz right now is, you know, just because of the, the maturity and the intelligence and the intangibles he's bringing to the table and the athleticism. I think he's sort of an underrated athlete at that position, Malik Willis. So now it's like, is there a chance if you're the Patriots, you're looking at this, even at a bad quarterback draft where four quarterbacks end up going before pick 21, because if it, if it, if it works out that way, that's a godsend for the Patriots. So that's what I would be rooting for. If I'm a Patriots fan, you got to be looking at this draft and hoping a quarterback goes at six to Carolina and a quarterback goes at nine to Seattle and a quarterback goes to Pittsburgh right, right ahead of you at 20. And maybe there's another one that sort of squeezes his way into the mix there. So um, that, that to me is uh, something that I think will happen to answer your question, Keegan, just because quarterbacks always end up getting overvalued the closer and closer we get to this. Every time. And, yeah. and I, I just can't see this group being an exception, even though everyone kind of agrees it's just not a great class. Well, now with the fifth round, with the fifth round option now, you know, it incentivizes you to take that quarterback in the first round because you get that extra year with him. It's maybe not as important, that, you know, with a defensive tackle, but with a with a quarterback, it's hugely important that you have that fifth year. And like a team like Carolina, I think they pick at six and they don't pick again to like 115 or something like that. Right. So like if you're taking a quarterback, you're taking one at six. Like you're not taking one. You can't wait. You know, it's not like, oh, we'll take him in the second round. Like, no, no, you got to take him at six or you got to pray that someone wants to trade back or trade up with you and you could. But it's like, who the hell is going to do that at six? You know, so. Uh, it is interesting. I will say, I just, I know Spags has something. I just, I will say, you mentioned Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins, and take PFF's grade for whatever you want it to be. In 2020, was the only defensive lineman in college football to have a grade above 90 in both pass rushing and run stopping uh, plays. So, and again, I mean, who knows? That doesn't really necessarily mean anything. But uh, you Flowers know, got redshirted his his rookie pretty year, solid. right? So that, it was an injury. That one was an injury, year. but still. You know, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, hey, you're right. In the oh, preseason, no doubt. right? You, you never know. You never know. Yeah. I just I just remember watching him last year and watching him work against a lot of right tackles, which nothing against the right tackles of the world, but usually those aren't the best guys uh at the college level, even when you're at the level we're talking about, Oklahoma playing all those, you know, big time programs that they played. Um and I and I just remember, you know, from an athletic testing standpoint. He did make our prototypical Patriot series, but it was like by the hair of his chinny chin chin. Yeah. Like he just appeared like just every threshold that the Patriots have. He kind of just barely made it. So, you know, we're not talking about a, a freak of freaks. And and listen, the same was true with Trey Flowers. We weren't talking about, you know, necessarily a freak there either. He was really long and he was powerful and had good production at um, Arkansas. But, you know, he, he went in the fourth round for a reason. So, um Anyway, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they end up adding there because, again, it, it's a pretty, it looks like a pretty deep class there, so you might be able to wait a little while and still get a pretty good player. But it's also the p- kind of position, like tackle, where if you wait very long, it's, it's hard to find gems really late because the, the guys that are really, really good are so rare physically that they, they all tend to go early. Agreed. Specs, did you have one? Because I have one more. I know you. You got to go. No, we don't want to keep you on too long, Phil. All right, I've got. I've got. No, one I'm more. good here. I'm good. We we just we just finished up bedtime, so I'm I'm funny right now. All right, we've got porch, 40 minutes with good. Phil ready to go. No, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask about the linebackers because you mentioned Bentley, but there are so many guys that they have in the building that just haven't played in the past couple of years, like Cam McGrone. It's me and Spags' guy. Uh, 
Raquan McMillan, who got hurt during the preseason. I just feel like maybe the Patriots uh, are counting on them a little bit more than than people on the outside are. Because it, it, they haven't done much since the season started. They, they traded for Mac Wilson. But I feel like they might value those two guys a little bit more than everybody else does. I think they have they – have, um... I don't want to say high hopes, but I I think they they feel like there is promise with both those guys, um, and and both those guys are kind of part of this what seems like changing dynamic at the position for the Patriots, which is they're okay getting a little lighter there as long as it means they're they're more athletic. They still want to be physical and they still want to be you know be able to have a, an aggressive presence at the second level. So I, I don't think they're going to completely abandon that style i think they just understand what's at play here which is the college game isn't producing 250 pound linebackers anymore not many at least like this year you've got um like darian b i'm doing my crowdsourced mock today and and into tomorrow morning which i like to do every year which is always fun just to kind of gauge where people's heads are at and once we get into like the day three picks it's you know how many people even really know who these guys are anyway but there are you know the draft Knicks are out there and, and, and they're voting on this stuff. And so I love it. Uh, but you know, you've got your Darian Beavers of the world. Uh, you've got your Leo Chanel's, you know, even, um, Chad Muma, Quay Walker, these guys that are in like the two forty could probably get to two forty five or two fifty if they really worked at it range in general, you've got to be open to being smaller at that position because the 250 pound guys in the college game now play defensive end or they play outside linebacker. They're rushing the passer. And what's happening is that the the guys who used to be strong safeties are now linebackers because there's so much space in the college game. The hashes are wider. When you're playing to the field, you have so much ground to cover. Those 250-pound guys usually just can't do that. So they're not producing. The college game isn't producing linebackers the way the Patriots want them. And so at some point you have to say, well, are we going to overextend every year and get the, you know, two or three 250-pound linebackers that are available in free agency or the draft? Or are we going to adapt and are we going to adjust our scheme to what we're getting? And I think they're starting to do that. So to answer your question, Keegan, I think they like those guys, but, but they need to see it too. You know, they're, they're not planning on Cam McGrone, you know, playing a thousand snaps this year because they, they don't know, they don't know yet. So they've got a bunch of pieces there now. I will say Mac Wilson to me is somebody who, can and should have a real role like he's an nfl player you know what what he is more so than the other two guys right now with mcmillan coming off an injury and mcgrow not having played um you know just speaking to people that worked with him in in cleveland they really liked him and and he was viewed as sort of an ascending player he was just blocked on the depth chart jeremiah usukoromo got brought in last year in the draft and uh they really just didn't have a place for him uh their analytics people really liked Chase Winovich because he was pretty efficient, pretty productive in the few yep. snaps that he got sack production wise. So like, I, I think we should be looking at him. It, like if I had to peg it right now, I would say Bentley and Wilson are your, your starters on the inside. And you know, that that's still up for grabs and we'll see what the other two guys do. Um, you know, when camp rolls around and things like that. But to me, Wilson, he's explosive. He has, he has, good power for somebody who's only 233 pounds. So he kind of plays bigger than his listed weight. 
He can play in coverage. He's a little, you know, he might not be the most disciplined guy in the world when it comes to making his drops and things like that, but he's also somebody who will occasionally come up with a splash play in coverage, which I think is something that they could use at that level. So, um, so that guy is, is the guy that I would be looking at as, you know, when we're talking about those sort of under the radar linebackers, even though you kind of, he wasn't doing a whole lot in Cleveland, you kind of swapped him for a guy who really wasn't doing anything at all here in Chase Winovich. I think I think he has the ability to to play a real role here. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, I I want to on your next Pat's episode that came out today. You talked about Jason Poe, who uh, the uh, the offensive guard slash fullback uh, from Mercer, uh, which is uh, which is amazing. That's what we're talking about. Two weeks before the draft bags. That's who we need to get into right now is the, is the FCS guys, the Division yep. two guys. Mm-hmm. All right. I, that's true. The Ivy League yeah. They're the EJ, the EJ Perry's of the world. Okay. That's, that's what this time of year is for. I'm going to bring the way. this up real quick. Matt DM'd me like three weeks ago about Jason Poe. And he was yep. like, this guy from Mercer is sick. And I, I had to watch him. So shout out to Matt. He, he had it right on the nose. By the way, my, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a seven round mock draft for the Patriots, but Pick 170, fifth round, pick 170, Jason Poe. So, wow. uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see Listen, I'm a Jason Poe guy. That might be a little early. It's a little early. It might but be, I, but, you know. But I, there is, I can tell you this, just talking to scouts, because I, I, listen, we had him on. Great guy, cool story, you know, played fullback in 2017 in community college. He's put on a ton of weight uh, from the time he left high school to now where he's 300 pounds. But he's a he's clearly a rare athlete. I think, you know, there is buzz on him in NFL circles for sure. If he's drafted, I think it's probably going to be a little bit later on day three. But you never know. Like, you know, day three. Once you get into that range, um, you know, it's almost like you're you're kind of angling for dibs on guys that might be priority free agents anyway. So, you know, right. if, you, if if one coach likes him enough, that, that could be enough to get him in that range you're talking about in the fifth there. So the, so the reason I brought up, Poe, was because I wanted from you just a few guys that are like, you're pretty sure are going to be day three guys, you know, late round picks, but guys that you're high on or guys that you'd like to see, you know, get a shot with the Patriots, um, you know, and and kind of kind of go from there. This is our new favorite thing, by the way. We've it done is. this with Barth. And we, we got to get yours too. Yeah. yeah. The, like the late round, kind of the unheralded guys. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the weirdos. Yeah. The weirdos. <laughs> um, I like that. I like that. Let me think. So, I mean, one guy who I think will probably end up being a day three pick. I don't know if he's going to be late, late though. Uh, like he could be, he could be early day three is Zach Tom from Wake Forest. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have watched him, but I mean, Tackle, this guy yeah. is a really, really good athlete and he comes from a program that the Patriots um, respect enough to have drafted his former teammate, Justin Haran a few years ago. Yep. Um, he can do a lot of different things. It, he's a little light and he's probably, it, that's probably why people are projecting him as like a center at the next level. But I think he could be one of these guys that you bring in. He could play all five positions if you really needed him to. Right. You know, clearly they had no problem putting Isaiah win at tackle at the size that he's at you're talking about essentially a similarly sized guy in Zach Tom. And so um, that's somebody that I would keep out, keep in mind uh, from a Patriots perspective, you know, day three, let's think who else. One of the guys that I really like, I'm doing my prototypical Patriots corners 
for tomorrow. And there are a few later round guys um, that, that kind of fit their mold. One guy who, you know, I know everybody's brought up like Zion McCollum. I feel like Zion McCollum is going to be like a third round pick at this point. Cause I see yeah. his name so frequently, but Alante Taylor is a name that I really like from Tennessee sec guy, aggressive, physical leader, like having spoken to a couple people about him, you know, again, this might be like early day three, he might be a fourth round pick, but somebody who is going to come here, if he is to come here, have the versatility to play corner and safety, play special teams right away, be everything you want in the locker room. He's not like, I, I, Again, we're talking about uh, Ronnie Perkins kind of making the prototypical list, like just barely. Like Alante right. Taylor doesn't have it all in terms of the the physical characteristics that the Patriots are usually looking for. But again, I, I've just heard enough about him during the process here that he's somebody that I've I've grown to like and have watched him a little bit. I like his style of play. He is aggressive and he is he just sounds like one of these really smart guys, like Breer on the podcast and talk about Trent McDuffie, who obviously is you know, maybe top half of the first round pick. He's a mental level cornerback. Like he is a genius at corner. Like, I don't know if Alante Taylor is there in terms of, you know, his football IQ, but I think in terms of the intangible stuff that we know matters to the Patriots, he's become somebody that, that has popped onto my radar. So those are two guys that I don't hear a lot about, um, you know, it's sticking with the offensive line because I really do feel like they need to address that on a couple at a, at a couple different points, Cam Jurgens from Nebraska. I, I've, I didn't realize this, but Dane Brugler, who I love and respect, and that guy grinds on this stuff every single year. And we've had him on the podcast. And, and yeah, he's unbelievable. And you know, I love you know getting to text with him a little bit this time of year and just seeing how he feels about different guys. He'll he'll get my temperature every so often. On you know, what do you think about the Patriots? Like he had Cam Jurgens as a second round value center out of Nebraska this year tested like a phenom and, and Dane is plugged in. And so when he says second round for a guy, like it now wouldn't shock me for, for him to go there. But I always kind of looked at him as, okay, if you're looking for like a Tooney type or you're looking for like a Mason type and you, and you're going to wait till like when Tooney was third round, Mason was fourth, but you want to wait until that, that range where they get, you know, like Trey Jackson was a fourth rounder. Brian Stork was a fourth rounder. Like right. if you could get Cam Jurgens in the fourth round because he's so athletic. I feel like you have your power guard in Michael Wenu already. I think you need like almost like a Mason type, whether it's Jason Poe, right, in the seventh. Right. Or Cam Jurgens earlier than that. Um, that's another name that I feel like is a little bit under the radar right now, but could end up making his way to Foxborough and playing like a hugely important role the day he's here. Yeah. Those are always the fun ones. The the guy that I love that I, I want them to draft is Drew Hartlub uh, from Penn state. The, the guy who's the core, only the plays core special, special teamer. This is you so good. You definitely don't want them to draft him. You want them to sign him. <laughs> well, I want them to like, I want them to like trade back to get like pick two sixty or something like that and draft him. You know, the second to last pick of the draft or something like that. You know, hey, like Pat, Pat, if you like, if you like <laughs> him, how about Velas Jones? Yes, from tennis, another Tennessee guy. Yep, in like the fifth round, like with the Matthew Slater pick from right. two thousand eight. Yeah, like yeah. You get two fifths. They love their special teams guys in the fifth. He's a, he's a special teams guy. He might end up playing a little receiver at some point. I mean, I don't know, but yeah, he's, but probably he's not. A special teams guy, and right, uh, he will knock your teeth out 
at full speed and he is fast. He tested, he was a four, three guy, I believe at the combine this year. So, um, and a senior bowl guy and an sec guy. And so another guy who checks a lot of boxes for the yeah. Patriots. Yep. It's a lot of fun. That's the, those are the guys that it's like, Hey, I mean, if we can hit on the early picks, that's great. But like, once we fall in love with like the later round guys, if we hit on some of those guys, that's where it's the most fun. You know yeah, what I mean? Those, like you... those slot receivers too. Like those guys that are like maybe day three guys. Um, right. If I hear Slade Bolden's name one more time, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's it's gonna like, happen. It's a joke, I mean, but listen, Braxton Barrios. Everyone said there's no way the Patriots are gonna draft Braxton Barrios. It's so perfect. Like I remember uh, Mark Schofield was saying, like at the Senior Bowl, they were like, just print the jerseys right now. Like he's going to the Patriots, and they were like, there's no shot they'll ever draft him, and they drafted him. And so like Slade Bolden, I just don't, I don't see a world in which Slade Bolden isn't on the Patriots. I just don't like. Because he went to Alabama, he's like buddies with Mac. Like he he's like the prototype. You know what I mean? Like I know. It's just, just he's not though from an athletic standpoint, like, which is true. Like yeah. you know, Berrios had some juice um, that that I'm not sure Bolden does. But they you know they might come back to me and say, go look up uh, go look up Wes Welker's test numbers and go right. look up Danny Amendola's test numbers. Those guys weren't freaks either, but they knew how to play. They knew how to get open. They were tough, and so. You know, Bolden very well may bring a lot of that same stuff to the table. Kyle yeah. Phillips is going to be somebody who gets drafted, you know, much earlier. If Bolden gets drafted at all, Kyle Phillips, I would think, is is an earlier pick. Yeah. Who's a slot guy. Uh, the kid out of Utah who's like a who's like Britain a freak Covey. returner. Who's, yeah. who's if I think, been in college, like, since I was in high school somehow. <laughs> But it's um, it's those those Utah BYU guys. They go on their yeah. missions for like 10 yeah. years and then they That's just it. pop back up and they're 30 and – <laughs> he you know what he just never physically developed like he's like Taysom Hill went on his mission and came back 40 pounds heavier right Britton Covey lost weight somehow he like yeah. buck 70 soaking wet and it's yeah. great yeah it's great to watch he's yeah. like Chris, Chris Wanky of slot of slot receivers right you guys uh-huh. want EJ Perry as a slot receiver uh in New England at some point I was I was at EJ Perry's pro day and let me tell like he walked in and the Holy Cross guys didn't stand a chance it was at Holy Cross, and he was just like it was like everybody's here for me. Like I don't know what you guys are doing, but get out of the way. I'm gonna. He was like a rock star there. He uh, that's funny. He, he's that's a good. great athlete. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at his numbers. I I had uh, you know, shout out to to Kent Lee Platt, the uh, creator of the relative athletic score. Yep. At Math Bomb on Twitter, uh, um, his site is great. And now you can compare guys and their, their numbers from across years and cross positions. And so I had EJ Perry lined up right there with Cooper cup. And let me tell you, it didn't look all that, didn't look all that Crazy. different the other day. So I'm yeah. just saying, I don't know if he can catch it. I'm pretty sure he's, he's been working out exclusively at, at quarterback. Um, but man, that guy can, the guy can move regardless of what position he he's, he's listed at right now. And regardless of what direction. Just directionally. Right. Oh yeah, no, it's the From change A of direction B, no stuff problem. that really. It's the change of the direction stuff that that really stands out. The short shuttle, the three cone. Yeah, I mean, I'm t- even the size. Like so, size wise, that's kind of what first. I was like, who who are the slots that would kind of be about this size? Let me look up Cooper Cup, and their numbers are Cooper Cup slightly quicker, which would make sense. But yeah, um, yeah. not that much. But not by that much. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. That that's those are always the fun things for me, and especially like you know when you get into the nitty gritty of the draft, and you're like you know day three. Which of course now my daughter has a dance recital on day three of the draft. I'm like that's that's just great. Oh. That's great. <laughs> uh, but but you know it's like it's one of those things where it's like 
you know, that's the best part of it for me when you start getting into it and you're like all in and then you're looking at these like seventh round guys or like you spend hours researching a guy who like doesn't get drafted, doesn't make a team, like nothing. And you're like, oh my God, dude. I remember the Jeff, remember the Jeff Thomas, like the the insanity. Oh, yeah. Everyone went nuts over Jeff Thomas and people Jeff were Thomas making Jeff Thomas was going to be a pro bowler. It was unbelievable. He didn't even make the team. He didn't make a team. He's not even playing football anymore. There's like uh, seven football leagues and he's not playing football. Oh, wait. USFL legend. There you Jeff go. Thomas. See? There you go. Yeah. yeah. He's just, yeah, he's just drafted, I think, right? He was. They have that draft. The third wide receiver yeah. drafted. Yeah. 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 So. I stand. I stand corrected. Don't give up the dream, kid. <laughs> so, well, anyways, thanks, Phil. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate you. Uh, you coming through. You guys do such a great job with, uh, you know, with all your stuff. I love listening to Next Pats, of course, and you know, you're on with uh, Karen's podcast as well, and you guys do a, a fantastic job um, over there. And we uh, we appreciate you uh, you coming on and hanging with us as well. Thank you, Pat and uh, Keegan and Spags. I know uh, had a dinner date probably, so he had to take off. But I appreciate you guys. Uh, always, <laughs> always, always love coming on with you guys. Chop it up is always, always fun. All right, my friend. It, Thank you. Have yourself a great night. We'll uh, we'll talk to you. So, what are you doing for the draft? Are you guys doing like a big draft special on uh, on NBC Sports Boston? So, on the Thursday night of the draft, we'll have our normal shows. We'll have early edition as sort of a lead into the draft. Then we'll have uh, BST that night as the draft is kind of as the first round is kind of finishing up. Hopefully the Patriots will have made their pick by then. Uh, but we'll see if they end up trading back. And then after BST on Thursday night. So for the late night crowd, the crowd is, that is just so juiced off of the adrenaline that is produced by the first round of the draft. Uh, you can watch us right after BST. We will have our on the clock special um, right after Felger and Holly on BST. Oh, so baby. We'll be, uh, talking about whatever the Patriots hopefully there's a pick That's hopefully exciting. there's a player to talk about yeah um but that'll be that night for sure very nice well listen we're going to be live on youtube the entire four hours of the first round Ooh. so open invitation for you if you'd like to come on and chop it up with us while you're uh, at the studio between between shows yeah so. let's figure that out let's do that <laughs> we gotta get phil just walking around with the phone and getting all the big the hot shots. that's it that's what get we're gonna Felger do on. walk through we'll, the yeah we'll have a party <laughs> i love that idea i love it <laughs> that's great all right, Phil. Well, thank you so much, and we'll right, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Thank Take care. You. All right, see you. Appreciate it.